This podcast is sponsored by WorthPoint. Find out what your antiques are worth at worthpoint.com. So I'm on Skype with Paul Brown of Auction Kings. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing great, Martin. How are you? Good. It was good to see you a few months ago. Sorry we couldn't sit and record then, but here we are now. You have, you've, uh, you've got another season. How many seasons have you had now? I, well, can you believe it? We, we, we just finished taping our, uh, our fourth season, and it is now currently airing. We're actually just touching up the last few episodes in this season, and they are currently running. It ran last night. It runs Thursdays at 9 p.m. on Discovery. And, um, you know, so far, so good. Believe it or not, people are still watching. People are still liking it. And uh, I tell you what, we still love making it. It's a lot of fun. It's given me a whole new life, a whole new lease on, on my, my career. You know, you're going to have to do a lot of adjusting when, uh, when that stops, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I am. I tell you, like I said, we just we just wrapped. I just not my, set my keys down. Sorry about that. That's all right. There. Uh, we just we, we're just wrapping. I say wrap. We were in the process of wrapping up our fourth season. And what I found when we're in production, I have very little free time, right? Um, but when we're out of production, because I have now I have such a great staff: Cindy and John and Elijah, my son that works here full time. Who got? And we'll get into that in a second. He got a contract. He's on this season. Um, they all run this place pretty well. And they've, they've had to because the tape and auction kings take so much of my time. So they've had to learn by necessity how to run this place without me. So now suddenly when auction kings is not taping, I walk in the office and I'm looking around. I'm like, so what's everybody doing? <laughs> and they're all like, they're like, we're busy. What do you need? You know, so I, I kind of uh, I go for a run. I go to the gym. I go, you know, I go shopping or something. Uh, I go hang out with my wife. Um, so yeah, I'm not working as much when we're not taping, which is great. I'm believe me, I am not complaining. I'm digging it. Sure, yeah, you've got you've got two two different lives going on there. Now I, gotta... I had, effectively I did. I had two jobs, and uh, and like I said, the one kind of you know um, it, it almost atrophied because I used to run Gary sixty three. I ran every aspect of it, you know, and um, out of necessity, we I had a staff of, of three, and that was it. Now I've got a staff of ten. And, uh, you know, like I said, they've, they've learned how to run it for me. Now, of course, I'm still I'm here now. I'm here every day. It's just I'm not here at the hours that I was and in the capacity that I was. So it's been a wonderful uh, moment for me to, to do some traveling and take time with my family and just, you know, enjoy myself. When we're not in production, it's great. So back to your original question. Yeah, the adjustment when it finally does end, and it will. I, I, I'm under no illusions when something begins that always has an end. And the fact that we got four seasons out of it um, – it really makes me proud. I would have been kind of sad if we only got one season yeah. and it didn't make it. But we, you know, we've done over a hundred episodes, and it's almost like, okay, you know what? Uh, I'm happy with that. I'm satisfied. Do I want more for sure? But will I will I cry when it's done? You know, no. I'll be I'll, I'll be able to put my head on my pillow and I'd be satisfied, I'd be happy. Yeah, you know, when I let's see, when I stopped by there, I, I think you were not filming, and it was a really a laid back, nice place, uh, nice environment you have going there. And uh, I yeah, think you were playing the guitar when I walked in, I believe, sitting on a couch or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that's the beautiful thing about owning your own business. And, and an auction gallery, as you know, you're well aware of how this business is. There are days when it's chaotic and it's yes. crazy. And there's two trucks coming in and two trucks going out and the phone's ringing off the hook and you're filming. And it's nuts and your head is on a swivel. But then there are <laughs> the other days, Martin, where there ain't a damn thing going on and you can yep. sit there on the sofa and play the guitar. Yeah, yep, that's kind of right. nice. Yeah, that's right. Now. Yeah. I got to tell you, I, well, I actually talked to you before we started recording here, and I told you that I haven't had a TV for a year and a half, you know, and I used to watch your show all the time. Um, and so I don't know what's going on. Tell me what's been happening. Well, I'll tell you what's been happening. We we, um, we started filming season four probably, actually, it must have been around August. It was late summer or early fall of 2012. 
and we filmed, you know, for the rest of that year and on into here we are in March into this year wrapping this thing up. Um, so it takes us about six months. Uh, in that time, uh, my son, who's always worked with me, he's he's 19 years old, but he's kind of growing into it. You know, he's his own man now. He's no longer just a da- you know dad's mm-hmm. kid that works here, hangs around. And he's a 19 year old young man who's sharp as a tack, and so he's been. He caught the eye of, of some of the producers of Auction Kings, and they were like, you know what, um, you know, let, let's kind of wrap him into this. You know, they, they saw him working here, and they saw him helping me, and so they've opened the door to uh, to bring him in, and and we're showing him. Uh, he, you know, he's learning the business and learning how to be a young man in front of uh, the Auction Kings audience, which is really kind of cool. And he's digging it. He's a you know, freshman in college with a, with a television contract. Um, yeah, obviously he's not getting rich, but he's getting, he's enjoying it. Um, yeah. and it's fun. And the interaction that he and I are, are very close, obviously he, he, you know, he works here. He was here every day. Um, so our interaction is, is I think played real well on camera thus far. He's been doing some picking of his own, which, uh, you know, of course growing up in the business, I mean, you know, the business, I mean, you, you kind of get inculcated in it. You know, you just learn how to do it from osmosis just by being around. So but we're showing his growth on the show and, and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know, he he wins some, he loses some, and you know it's it's cool. So that's been going good. Of course, Cindy and John and Delphina are all here as as usual. We've gotten rid of the Garretts this year. I don't know if you remember them from 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 last season. Um, the two Michigan brothers didn't make the cut this year, um, and I don't think anybody's weeping too many tears over that. Um, <laughs> Tell me about some of the highlights of some of the things that have come uh, through the auction gallery since we last recorded, which was I think over a year ago. Let's see. Let me try and think of some things that have gone through. Oh my goodness. Oh, oh. Have you seen the Have you seen the Thomas Jefferson desk? That episode was on last week. Obviously, you've not. You don't have, I have TV. Not. Why am I asking? I right, check this out. This is so cool, and I can I can spill this. Now, I had to sit on this for months because I was. So, this is the best thing I ever got. Ever, 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 ever in my life. In the whole in my whole life, antiques, third generation, playing with all this stuff. This man walks in. His name is his. His name is Todd. Uh, his last name is uh, well, I probably shouldn't say his last name. His name is Todd. At any rate, uh. He comes in and he has this really nice sort of a uh, federal period uh, desk, and it, you know it's um, it's it's nice looking. It looks like an old antique, you know, but without the story, it's just a nice old desk, probably you know mm-hmm. two three thousand dollar desk, you know, not bad, not great, but you know nice old piece. Well, he he proceeds to break out this folder full of information. His family had somehow uh, acquired Poplar Forest, which was Thomas Jefferson's retreat uh, post presidency. Okay, and when they well, this relative of his is a great great grand uncle or something had acquired it. They acquired it at Furnished, right? So it came with all Thomas Jefferson stuff, and this desk oh. passed down through through the through the generations. He had all the paperwork and documentation, and his aunt actually sits on the board of, of um, the Poplar Forest up in Virginia. And sure enough, this desk was Thomas Jefferson's desk. And I'm like, I'm a, yeah, I'm a man of letters. I love history. I, I don't Me know too. how anybody yeah. could be an American and not love Thomas Jefferson. And sure enough, we got Jefferson's desk here, and it rang the bell. It was so cool. My goodness. Um, I know a bit about Jefferson, and I never even knew about this retreat he had. Right. Well, he started building it uh, uh, you know, while he was still in office, and he retired to it. Of course, as you know, he was a Renaissance man. He was an architect and, and uh, designer and writer and uh, you know, just a general man of letters. And uh, so he built this thing little by little and then retired to it and spent half the year there in his, in his later years. He, he spent six months there and six months at Monticello. And, uh, and of course, they would travel as well. But the fact that it wasn't it wasn't Jefferson's dresser, it wasn't Jefferson's tea table or anything. It was it was Jefferson's desk. And you think about the man 
is, you know, yeah. arguably the preeminent American man of letters. I mean, you think about it, you know, who, who's going to come ahead of him on the list of our, our great scholars and thinkers. Not too many people ahead of him, many. if any. Mm -hmm. And I got his desk where he sat and wrote and thought and read, and it was so cool. My goodness. You know, I, I had a historian on this show, uh, Thomas Jefferson, um, academic, and he told me that Jefferson had – they had over 18,000 letters of his. Talk about writing oh, my, letters. I mean, Tell me about know, the bidding and the whole experience with the desk. Gentlemen, my consigner was not a wealthy man. He had some wealthy people in his family, but he himself was not, and he was a divorced single father, and he needed some money for his kid. And so his expectations were very reasonable. I believe he said on camera – somewhere you know six or seven thousand dollars which uh you know to be is, is really nothing i mean you could almost you could almost get that i would say you get that just with a plain desk we gotta get half that anyway with just a plain desk so i mm -hmm. told him you know point blank if we can really make this connection we can establish it and we did then uh you know it's going to be much higher so of course there was bidding all over the floor i mean it opened at 10 you know and it just mm -hmm. went up from there i think we got, ended up hammering somewhere in the 60s plus plus the buyer's premium so this is a um and not only that, I still think probably there was some more money left in that desk. Uh, and I, you know, it, it probably inappropriate for me to say, but this was uh, Gary 63. I love to sell cool stuff. I mean, you know yeah. that. I, and this was probably out of my league. This probably deserved to sell in, in maybe in Virginia or in, in New York or somewhere a little more. Um, you know, there, there's probably some money left in the desk. And I don't know if my, my purchaser is going to keep it forever or he's going to flip it, but I still think there's more money left in it. But needless to say, it was a nice hit for my seller. To, to take home sixty five grand oh, yeah. or whatever it was, and I got a nice commission out of it. Plus, we got a great television show. It was it was a win 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 all the way around. If that desk had come out of the Monticello auction in eighteen twenty six, you know, uh, it would have been a whole different story. You know, something that he used every day, that type of thing. Right. Absolutely. Let's see. There was a gangster's car. You were someone was going to give you. Yeah, we had we had a, a terraplane, a Hudson terraplane, which was the uh, which was the the gangster rig. Uh, that was pretty cool. I tell you what, we had recently uh, that was kind of fun. Uh, it's not necessarily an antique. This guy had built a racing hydroplane, and so my one of my um, one of my things that's really great about having the job that I have is I get to play with all kinds of toys, you know. So <laughs> I've seen that. Uh, I was like making. I've I've never made an agreement you. with. <laughs> yes, right. I always make an agreement with a consigner that, that I'll sell it, but you got to let me. If it's a motorcycle, I get to drive it. If it's yeah. a car, I get to drive it. Well, in this particular case, it was a boat. So we rode, rode it up to the lake just north of the city, about 20 miles north. And uh, we rode this sucker like crazy. And they, they had the chase boat with the cameras. They, I'm jumping <laughs> the wake left and right. Things flying. And this is what I did not know about little hydroplane racing boats. And I should have probably taken a little bit more care was I come across the wake and then the nose do dove into the other side of the way, and I sunk that son of a gun right on camera. Oh, my <laughs> God. Well, that's really good TV, actually. Yeah, I know. That's why I called my producer. I was like, well, I got good news and bad news there, <laughs> yeah. uh, Jeff. I said, the good news is I think you guys got some great footage. The bad news is I hope we, ha I hope we have cast insurance for, for, the, for, the, for the stuff we destroy um, <laughs> because we had not sold the boat yet. Obviously, uh, we ended up paying for it, and it was okay. Um, but that was kind of, that was kind of a fun episode. Oh, I'll tell you another episode that, that's fun that I want you when you when it's available on um, a Netflix or however you do your viewing, Hulu or what have you, is uh, we did a one hour to kick the season off. We did a one hour pickoff special, and we took uh, myself, my son Elijah, Cindy, and John out to the Scotts Antique Market, which uh, I'm, I'm, you're probably familiar with. It's a big antique show that rolls through here uh, once a month through Atlanta. I think mm -hmm. they do a show up in Ohio as well. It's a pretty good size uh, show. It's like a thousand dealers. 
and we each had a $500 budget and one hour to run through there and pick the best stuff we could and then get it back here to our auction this weekend where we sold it you know, to the highest bidder. And the, the, the competition was, of course, to see who could turn that 500 into the most amount of money. So that was a great – it was a one-hour episode. It's almost like the oh, yeah. introduction with Elijah for the season. It was great. That's like uh, the market warriors in a way. A lot awesome. like that, I guess. I guess. I mean, that the concept is pretty obvious. Um, you know, it, it's it's not like reinventing the wheel, but for us, it, it got us out of the confines of uh, all of us together out of the confines of Gallery sixty three, kind of put us out in the field. And they edited it in a really kind of a fun way. They had the, the timer going on the screen the whole time, <laughs> you know, showing all four of us running through this flea market. And this place is giant. I mean, it's I got only know it's a hundred thousand square feet, maybe one hundred fifty. It's enormous, and we're running through there. You know, check. And all this stuff and trying to do the best we can and five hundred dollars is not a ton of money you know so you, you you're mm-hmm. kind of a you can't just buy all, everything that's there because most things there were more expensive so we really had to get into it a little bit and uh and we brought it back here and, and just as as um as the schedule would have it our auction was that very weekend so we got the stuff in here on friday turned right around sold it on sunday and yeah, you know, there was the profit. It was, it was a lot of fun. They actually made made for a great episode. Well, you know, there's a, there's so many times that I've actually gone to like big antique shows and walked around, and I'll spend an entire day and not buy one single thing. Many times, would, you know. And don't you hate those days? I, that that I drives me crazy. <laughs> I, sometimes I, I buy something. Sometimes I'll just buy that first thing, even if I don't like it or it's not that great of a deal. I'll just buy the first thing just to have gotten that monkey off my back, just to have bought that first yeah, thing. Because if you break the ice, if you linger, like you say, if you linger, it can go on hours, and you're like, well, shoot, I haven't bought anything yet. And then you, then you, you're almost hamstrung by your own uh, your failure to pull pull the trigger. I hate doing that, so I have to buy something. Yeah, well, there's the old saying is you can't make any money unless you buy something, and uh, you know sometimes I, you just have to take the chance. Yeah. I, 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 lo- I love that saying. My dad taught me that when I was young, a version of that. He said, you know, uh, in this business, the money is made on the buy. And I didn't understand at the time. I was a child. Uh, and I kind of understood it. But I was thinking, well, no, the money's made when you sell it. But like you just said, you, you, if, you, if you, you can have all the best customers in the world, especially at an auction. If you ain't got something to sell them, you, you're dead in the water. You mm-hmm. know, you can have the best customers in the world with a pocket full of money in each of their pockets. And if you've got nothing to give them, then they, they're leaving empty-handed. So, well, yes, I, to- I, I love I have to say that in these times, you know, uh, you've been in, at this a long time as well. And in these times, it's not as easy as it was to be able to go somewhere and find something and know that you're going to make money. You used to be able to know you were going to make money because dealers paid a certain amount of money for an oak, an oak table or whatever it was. It was standard. And you could, you, if you could buy an oak table for $100, you could sell it for $200. That's the way it was. And today, it's it's kind of like... It's kind of like a gamble. You're absolutely right. And, of course, it's a buyer's market now. Um, cash is king. Um, but for me, I've found things like – and I, I do a certain amount of traveling. And, and uh, whenever I travel, even whether, whether it's business or pleasure, um, I always check out you know, antique stores or even, uh, even if I'm on a road trip, which I'm going on today, I'll stop at, an, I'll stop at a yard sale or a flea market or something just, and just take a walk through. And it's kind of a time-place thing. In other words, if you're in the country – I, I, I can go in the country. Of course, my store is in, in Buckhead, which is basically city of Atlanta. I'm, I'm in an urban setting. If I go out in the country, I can buy great old Coca-Cola buttons or something or old old cash registers or old, old penny scales that in the country are not nearly as much. I bring them into here, and I, I can I can buy Coca-Cola buttons in the country for 200 bucks or something and uh, you know, a nice little three-foot round. Yeah. I bring them back here, and they'll bring 600 because you just don't see them as much in, in the city as you do out in the country. So it's, it's – 
it's a kind of a time place thing. Um, but you at a market, you're right. You it, you're rolling the dice. You don't know. Um, you, it's there's no sure things anymore. That's for sure. I think maybe the internet's partly to blame for that. You can check prices. Everybody on their phones checking prices. That's you know? right. That's right. You know, you you walk through places like Brimfield, the big you know market, and you see all these people on their phones going on askart.com and you know different right. live auctioneers or art, art fact or whatever it is. You know, looking up prices as they go, which is yeah, total different world than it was. And you know, right. all that information is not really clear either. You know, I mean, some so there's all types of. Uh, uh, subtle things that can change a value of, of something. Right. Well, information really is only as good as the person processing the information. I mean, yeah. I, I say this to my son all the time, and my, my son, again, he's 19, and he's grown up in a digital age where information is everywhere. If any, but anybody, you and me can Google anything we want right now and find some information on it. But that's a vastly different thing than wisdom and knowledge. You know, Information is not, not wisdom. It's just information. So you have to process it through. Um, I mean, just because some some artist painting brought ten thousand dollars somewhere in the world at some point doesn't mean every every doodle he ever made was worth ten thousand right. dollars. I read that all the time. People That's come right. in. Well, I looked him up on the internet, and he's bringing ten thousand dollars. I'm looking at this painting. It's ugly. It looks like a monkey painted it with a banana. And I'm thinking, you know, that ain't worth the ten grand. I'm sorry, brother. Yep. What you always do is look at the painting first. And you know, right? Uh, uh, the the good education is. Buying something for four hundred dollars and selling it for one hundred—that's your good education. That's your yeah, college absolutely. tuition, right there. <laughs> Amen to that, man. Amen to that. And I, we've all we've all made bad buys before. But you know, in this business, probably like any of them, but I only know this one. You know, you just take your put, take your lumps and roll on. I, I've lost money yes. plenty of times. Yep. But just you know, give give me what, give me back what I can get out of it, and let me put that money to something I might win with next time. You know, and, and that's cool. That's what's kind of fun. Is you know, that's how my house is. I I don't know how your your house is or whatever, but. You know, when, when you're in this business, I buy stuff all the time, bring home, hang it up on the wall for a little while, put it in the living room. Then when I'm sick of it, I run it back to the auction. I dump it. It's just a sort of rotating collection, um, which is kind of fun. Well, what I've, I think I might have said this on a podcast before, but I grew up in a situation where I would come home from school and our entire house was completely empty, like we were robbed. And my father would just invite these people over and, you know, I, I can – that actually only happened when everything was gone that I could see in the the ground level uh, except right. the TV and stuff like that. Um, that only happened one time. But many times you come in and a whole room was gone. <laughs> you know, my father well, would invite Martin, people over and sell it all. <laughs> well, we are kindred spirits, man, because I, I had that exact same experience more than once. I'd come home and, yeah, where, where the hell is the dining room set, Ma? <laughs> Why, where, where, where are we eating? What's going on? And my, my dad would always bring home – he was into architectural stuff back in the day in the, in the eight, 70s and 80s. And he'd buy these big back bars, great old triple arts Brunswick back bar from old taverns up in the Midwest and stuff. And that was part of – that was a big part of his trade. Well, he put one in the house one time. And you can imagine this is an 18-foot-long triple arts back bar, you know, beveled glass and great old dental moldings, beautiful Corinthian capitals. And it looked like – and he had all refinished. I came home, and I swear to God, I thought like a tornado had come through there because he sold the back bar right out of the house. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that was kind of odd. And, you know, that's the business we're in. You know, you, you, it's everything has a price. And if, you, if you're in, in it for a living, you know, you, that's what you do. It's, you know, and it's second nature. But I can remember my friends came over, and they're like, well, where's all your furniture? <laughs> we'll get more. No worries. It'll come back. Yeah, yep. You know, my father was doing that all the way into his 70s. He still would have a – a party at his, he would have what he called parties where he'd invite just dealers and he'd still do that. Mm -hmm. Everything would have a price on it. It was uh, funny. It was I know, but what a great way. 
I always wanted to do it. My dad had a boat for a while, like a nice boat down in uh, Fort Lauderdale. And he did that one time on the boat because yachting people are kind of like you – know, they, they tend to have extra cash anyway. And he did. He filled the boat up with uh, really nice like gale, gale vases and Tiffany lamps really? and wow. fine things. Not, not, not big stuff, but small fine pieces, fine sterling, that sort of thing. And I'll be darned if he didn't just have more or less a floating estate sale, right? They did pretty good with it, too. I don't know why I never did it again, but that was, that was kind of fun. But, yeah, that's the business we're in. You know, every, every, you can sell. If you can sell, you can sell. Yeah, and, and it makes life interesting, too. Uh, one of the questions I had I was thinking of is when you are, say, when you're not filming, what is the difference in your attendance? Um, well, it's actually pretty good either way. In fact, it's probably better when we're not filming because uh, – actually, it's been, it's been strong since the show aired. But when we're not filming, that means the show is probably currently on air with new episodes, which means the attendance spikes. Um, oh, I see. But li- really – for the past three years, it's probably been um, – not probably. It's been standing room only at 90 percent of my auctions. I mean only every once in a while are there, are there seats to be had. So uh, like everybody else, I'm subject to the rules of the fire marshal, so I can only get 350 people in no matter what. And you know, the fact of the matter is auction kings, even on a, even on a slow week that, you know, that the NCAA tournament is on, for example, or something – big opposite mm-hmm. us even on slowly so we're still getting you know million and a half households right so you're talking about a lot of folks um that will come and and uh, and everybody loves an auction man and, and atlanta's easy to get to i'll tell you what i've noticed martin is my um my crowd i was largely an atlanta auction house it, 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 at best maybe regional you know mm-hmm. but now i get people and we always make an announcement at the beginning you know, who hears from west of the mississippi river and there's hands on who hears here's who, who's here's from out of the country and uh, you know, hands are going up all over the place. So I, I've got a much bigger draw. So I bring it, I bring it in whether, whether we're in production or not. Now, do those people buy too or are they just there to watch? Um, you know what? Here's what's happened. Um, they don't always buy a lot. But what happens is they, they, they come and they'll spend 500 to to $1,000. Everybody that walks in the door will spend at least that. So you know, maybe they yeah. just bring something small home with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you still like any auction. Still, you've got your whales. I mean, there's your half a dozen people that are there. They're your bidders, and they're they're on every item. They're your dealers. They're, they're your ballers, and they're always there. Um, and it's, no matter how big you get, there's, you can always still distill it down to those half dozen big big time big shots that are going to bid on everything. And I still got that. But I, my my crowd is so broad and so wide. I can basically bring up anything. I can bring up a sack of rocks, and I think I'd get twenty five bucks for it. <laughs> you know, that's I- awesome. Uh, when I was when I stopped in to see you there, I was down um, working a little bit with WorthPoint down there, who has their right. office uh, nearby. And you know, I think that whole uh, area is just really wonderful. I really enjoyed Atlanta a lot. Really nice town. Atlanta's a boom town. We, people don't realize that, that we have six million people in the metro area. So I really can draw even just drawing from here. There's plenty of stuff and plenty of people. I think beginning with about the Olympics in 96 is when it really started booming. I mean, it just started blowing up and the lottery development. Even through the bad years, the recession a few years back, um, there were still cranes. You know, you drive downtown, they're still building buildings. You know, there's yep. still lots of action in this town. And uh, it's a great place to do business. I'm, I'm fortunate to be here. And I, because that's so, I get a lot of pickers and dealers that come down from uh, places that are less sports. I get a lot of people come down from, you know, some of the Rust Belt towns, you know, there's, there's great stuff up there and nobody to buy it. And they, they fill their truckload up and bring it down here and uh, they'll sell it with me with no reserve, knowing even 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 with no reserve, knowing their chances are better here than they are, you know, up, up there. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm ge- geographically fortunate, that's for sure. Now, last time we talked, 
and I'm thinking now it was all, it was more like two years ago. Last um, when we talked, then you were thinking about toying with the idea of trying an online auction. Um, you know, at the same time, how, how did that? What did that end up like? And, and I don't think it's uh, a really good idea for you to be honest. With it's you. probably not. I, you know, I'm kind of a dinosaur in that respect because uh, I'm, I'm about the last one that doesn't do it. But I have a unique uh, situation where I don't have to necessarily. Now, if I didn't have the show, would I have gone to that? For sure, because that mm-hmm. would have been necessity to try and find where to go where the customers are. Um, obviously, I've been fortunate to be blessed with the show. So, um, you know, I, the customers are going to come here regardless. So I don't have to. Now, when it, when it ends and, and uh, when, when we cease production, they cease airing it, whenever that may be, well, I go to it perhaps. Uh, but still, I'm kind of a, I'm a kind of bricks and mortar kind of guy. I just like. I don't really want to have a shipping department, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. So that then I got to worry about shipping the stuff out. I just want people to come here, buy it, load their trucks, and move on. You know, it's a double-edged sword because I have to tell you where I work. Um, you know, we we have major auctions, but still, um, you know, the the floor is fairly empty, even though we get bids from all over the world. Um, but there is an auction company out here that will not take any absentee bids. They will not take any phone bids, and they're not online. And I'll tell you what, there's 300 people there every time they have an auction. So Right, and you know what happens when you do it that way? The people pay their bill, and they get their stuff out of your building. And that's that's really as valuable as anything. If you gotta, I don't want to have to go chasing down people yes. for, for their payment a week, two weeks, three weeks after when I owe the money to the consigner now, and I need the space on my floor. So it yes. just, you know, for me... And that's just that's just how I like to to do it. And uh, again, I may change. I'm not so I'm not so uh, set in my ways that I wouldn't consider change. But for right now, I don't need to, and I kind of like it how it is. Well, again, like I said, it's a double edged sword because I I really yeah. have listened to and, and watched what's happened with the depleting audiences that actually attend sales today. Right. And you can also get your images online that are just so. Uh, revealing that you actually don't need to hold the stuff in your hand a lot of the time. So, um, you know, there is a there is a real turn to that point, but I really like to, if it's me, I like to have an auction where there's a lot of people. I do too. It's just like when you want to go to a restaurant or somewhere, you want to go to the place that's crowded, you want to go to the place that's dead. Uh, I think I told you this story uh, last year, actually probably it's been two years now or even more. I was up in New York with my wife selling a painting at Sotheby's. And they were selling paintings for $10 million, and one, one went for over 20. And there were all 14 people in the audience. Everybody That's right. Everybody's bidding online. It was, just, it, was, it was like watching paint dry. It was dull. And I like, I like right. the party atmosphere of the auction. So, yeah, yeah besides, you have like, do you have like uh, free food or something there? I remembered something about that. Yeah, well, of course and, we have. Well, no, we don't have free beer? food. We have free Is alcohol. it beer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, 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 do, I, did, you know, I don't have a liquor license, so I just give it away. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily to get people drunk, just to, you know, just, it's some that my auctions are kind of a social event. People, it's 300 people here, and some of them are, have become friends. A lot of them have become friends. Some of them become friends with each other. And it's nice to enjoy a glass of wine on a Sunday. I, I like to, in Atlanta, again, I, geographically I'm blessed, but, but also nine months out of the year, we got great weather. So I'm on a Sunday when most people are not working, and it's a beautiful day. And some people like to go to the lake, some people like to play golf, some people like to go to the park. So I need to offer them sort of the best alternative, not just to come buy stuff, but come hang out and have have a social day. And so I get, mm-hmm. you know, we I have a, a, a friend of mine that owns a restaurant. He he comes in here, and I have a full kitchen. So he does it. He opens up a small restaurant. We give away beer and wine, and you know, we hang around. We play. We, we're hanging around for two hours before the sale. Music's going. People are hanging around. And a couple hours after the sale, and it's it becomes almost an event. Um, and not almost. It is an event. I, that's what yeah. I like. But that's that's the one day a month, man. 
Actually, I do, I do two auctions a month. But auction days are the only days of the month where it's like really, really fun to come to work. I mean, every day is, is an adventure, but auction days are like party days, you know? It's great. Yes, it's hard work, but people are everywhere and you get the energy in the room and, you know, yeah. deals are happening. And I, I like that kind of thing. So, absolutely, I, I, make, it, I make it fun. Yeah, yeah. That's that's always great. You know, I I, uh, I was invited over to some pe- uh, to a couple's house a while back, and um, they had some things for sale. And they said, "You're you're our favorite auctioneer." And I said, "Oh, really? That's very nice of you." And they said, "That's where we met, and you know, we got <laughs> married." So that was pretty awesome. It's it's uh, it's, it's fun how you yeah. can change. I've had an actual. Pro- I've had a proposal on stage. I actually had more than one proposal on stage <laughs> at, at auction. One fairly recently. Um, yeah, you, you get all kinds of, I, I think auction people, and you, I think you'd probably agree with this. I love auction people. People yeah. that buy things at auction or like to go to auctions or in the auction business are kind of a different breed. You know, it's like, it's not a retail setting and they, they're, you get more of a sort of a freewheeling, you know, wheeler dealer type yeah. and uh, a bit of a maverick type, which I enjoy that kind of personality. You got, you get entrepreneurs, you get, um, uh, you get people willing to take a chance, people that understand as is, where is, and all the, all the good and the bad that that means. It can mean great and it can mean, you know, trouble, but I'm a big boy. I can handle it. Well, I bought something that has a, you know, a scratch in it. I can handle it. The other, the flip side of that is I bought something and I'm way under the money because I was paying attention. So you get that kind of personality, that kind of persona hanging around and I gravitate to those people anyway. So I, I do I too. Love, I love that. I, I do too. And it doesn't matter where you are. I've been to auctions in California, Colorado, down your way, Everywhere you go, auction people are fun. I agree with you 100%. They are fun people. Yep. And that's I, why it's I, really – it's a little bit sad to see uh, the audiences depleting here and there. So hopefully um, that will change and more people will go. And anyway, it's been a real pleasure, Paul. Um, always Thanks, enjoyable. Bart. And this won't be the last time. I think you, you've been on the show probably more than anyone else. And All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. I'm honored, man. Thank you very much. And uh, hey, do me a favor. Send me a link to it when, when you pop it up there. Sure thing. Hey, uh, when will you know if uh, season five is in play or not? Uh, we usually, I, I can't imagine I would know much before. What are we in March? You know, maybe late May would be uh, typical for them to, uh, to let me know. But we'll see what happens. You know, it's always what have you done for me lately? It's what depends on what the ratings are. So far right. this season, they've been pretty doggone good. Though. I'm real happy with it. Uh, and I attribute that partly because, again, to my son, you know, adding a little bit new life in, sure. into the show, interjecting some youth and some, uh, you know, it, things get stale. I'm not saying we're stale, but, you know, four seasons is a long time. We need to have, you know, and he's brought this new blood, this new yep. energy into it. I love it. So hopefully that'll give us another couple seasons. That's great. All right, Paul, a real pleasure. All right. Take care, Martin. See you. This podcast is sponsored by WorthPoint. Find out what your antiques are worth at worthpoint.com.